Hey, welcome to your Miami Sports Pod. Will Mansell alongside Clay Ferrero. And uh, Clay, this is a, a rare victory pod for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, and it was the ugliest. Is that, is that what we're calling it? Is that what we're calling it? I mean, here's what we're calling it. Ready? Tua out, Dolphins finally win. Is, is that what the correlation was? Is Tua Tagovailoa has a broken middle finger in his uh, throwing hand? I mean, look. They won the game. I guess that's the positive, but that's about the only positive that came out of Sunday. Yeah, I, I came out of Sunday, and, and more more because of the events of the entire week and including Sunday, I, I came out of it somehow less sure about the directions of the Miami Dolphins franchise than I have after any of their losses this year. So it's almost like the the win did less to to give you any sort of closure, any security moving forward than than any any losses did this year. And I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. In, in your famous words, you never apologize for a win. And yet that was too, this one you can almost bad you can football. Almost apologize for this one. Yeah. You, you can apologize to the fans that paid money to see that. No, no, look, I, I think anybody who went to that game kind of knew what they were getting into, but well, I, I mean, I, I think you'd agree with me that the game was almost secondary to the drama and everything else that, that we went through, not just this week, but, yeah. but the last, what, uh, I mean, it feels like eight months to this point. Yeah, and I think, look, the bigger storyline is the fact this week, Tua Tagovailoa found out that the, the trade wasn't happening for Deshaun Watson. We were there, you and I were there, what was it, uh, Tuesday last week, whenever it was? It was early in the week when Chris yeah, Greer Wednesday, had his, yeah. Wednesday, yeah. Chris Greer had his news conference, and it was a kind of a rushed, you know, hey, I, this is what I think about Tua Tagovailoa. I think he's our guy, but general manager, I have to do my due diligence. And I don't know about you, but I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it because the reality is he went up there and said, I don't think Tua is good enough because I want another quarterback. If you think your quarterback's good enough, you don't chase it for another quarterback. No, and I think, look, unfortunately, what happened this week with Tua having to miss the game on Sunday and, yeah. and hurting his finger, it doesn't help. And, it, you know, what I think's a shame is Miami Dolphins fans got to feel like this is Groundhog Day for them, where you went through year after year after year with Ryan Tannehill, where – I think he might be the guy. I mean, maybe, like there's a chance. And and with Tua, I, I think it's the same thing where maybe, may, may, I, I mean, he could be if this happens, if this happens. But I, I think the big concern, Will, with Tua is once again, he misses a football game. And because of injury and everything that you were concerned about with Tua heading into the NFL, because of everything you had seen in college, it's still a problem. It's still yeah. a question. The durability concerns the arm strength it's it's fine I mean it's probably good enough if you have elite weapons around him and a really good offensive line but they don't and they don't and and when you start to see the same sorts of questions that you had about him going unanswered in the NFL yeah I know it's just a year and a half but the problem is that the questions that you had about guys like Justin Herbert heading into the NFL I mean we knew he had the the arm, but did he have the leadership ability, the moxie to lead yeah. a team in the fourth quarter? Games? I mean, he's answered those. He's gone out there and made big plays in the fourth quarter. The questions about Tua remain unanswered. And at some point, if you can't answer those questions through a year and a half, when those questions have been around for quite a while, even before that, you have your answer. And I think, look, the answer from Chris Greer, I think, was given to us that they're not going to stop the pursuit of Deshaun Watson just because the trade deadline's over and Tua gets this so-called audition that he already missed the first game in that audition, they could still go after Deshaun Watson. I think it's pretty clear they will go after Deshaun Watson. Barring any kind of change in his legal situation where, hey, you know he's out and, he, and you can't pursue him, I think at this point it's clear that Chris Greer 
Brian Flores, Stephen Ross, the Dolphins organization wants Deshaun Watson, and they, they don't want Tua. And this latest setback for Tua, while it's only a broken finger, and Brian Flores made it sound like Tua was close to playing and that he might be back even for Thursday night's game. The reality is this. It's another missed opportunity for Tua to show what he could do. They've just wrapped up this whole six, eight months pursuit of Deshaun Watson, and I don't think they believe in Tua, and I don't think Tua's going to get really a fair shot with this roster. I mean, Miles Gaskin had 20 carries to 34 yards. He's throwing the – I don't even know who the heck is out there. Gasicki's making one-handed catches, thankfully. But this team isn't good. I don't know how you get a real gauge of what Tua is, and I don't know how Tua moves forward knowing that he's not wanted. No matter what he says, I'm, what did he say last week? Remember last week he said, I don't feel like – I don't not, feel not wanted. Not wanted. He's not wanted. I mean, I, I think that's the bottom line. And the fact that we're in this position a year later after he got drafted fifth overall is just as, as about as dolphin of a situation as you can get. And this is a bad football team with or without Tua. And I don't know where I don't know where the fixes come, to be honest with you. Well, and that, that's kind of to bring it back around to what I said at the outset, that I feel less sure about the direction of this franchise after a win on Sunday than I have after any of the losses. And and you know what? Maybe I should maybe I should go back on that a little bit. I, I feel like because of what's happened this week leading up to the game and the fact that, once again, two is proving that you can't count on him. At some point, the lack of availability yeah. becomes a lack. And, and I think, unfortunately, that's that's what we're getting with Tua right now. So, so Will, to me, I, I mean, I, I think these these last few games aren't just an evaluation process for Tua Tungabaloa, but I think it's also an evaluation process for Brian Flores and for Chris Greer and the personnel moves that he's made. And at some point, Stephen Ross is going to have to look at the situation at the end of the season and say, do I really want the same people who have put together this team that finishes – Four and thirteen, five and twelve, maybe at best. I mean, do I really want the same people that were in charge of that to make the decision on both Tua Tungabailoa and potentially a Deshaun Watson, or even if it's a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers, whatever it is? Do you really want the same people who made the mistakes that got you here to be making those calls moving forward? And unfortunately for Dolphins fans, they've seen these uh, coaching changes, then a GM change, everything done piecemeal. It may be time to kind of look at the situation as a whole and say, we got to start from scratch. And, and Stephen Ross, and we talk all, all the time about what he's 81, 82 years old. Well, you're not getting any closer by keeping on doing these piecemeal changes. So, I, I mean, Will, I, I guess when I say I'm unsure about the direction of the franchise, I almost say that in, in also saying that I, I'm, I'm getting more sure that the direction that they're currently going is not the right one, really in a lot of avenues. Yeah, and, and you wonder what that means for Chris Greer. You wonder what it means for Brian Flores. You wonder if they're a package deal. You know, Stephen Ross didn't talk this week. There was all kinds of crazy reports out there. The attorney for the accusers of Watson, you know, and, and Ross didn't come out. Instead, it was Greer came out and said, look, we weren't involved. We didn't try to push anybody to any settlement. We were not involved in anything like that. It's ludicrous. He called it, what he called it? Um, well, first of all, he said he was pissed off. Yeah. Um, but basically, he, he strongly denied it. Yeah. And and I this is a lost organization right now. I mean, that game, the nine turnovers between two teams, the Dolphins won a game where they turned the ball over five times. We're running back in 20 carries for 34 yards. Where your starting quarterback missed the game with a broken finger and your backup quarterback was a mess, lost a fumble, threw two picks. This is just an awful team. So uh, a, a win feels good, I guess. 
but it doesn't really change the circumstances of the Miami Dolphins. Now, no, and, if, and look, if you're a six and two football team and you do that against a you know a five hundred team or or even like a, a three and whatever team, you you say, oh, well, that's a team that knows how to win football games, and and yeah. like you say, oh, well, the moxie, whatever. No, no, not here. Not when yeah. it's it's two one and seven football teams, and uh, it was it was just like who wants to lose this game less. And and unfortunately, I guess uh, if you're an Eagles fan and you're hoping for that higher Dolphins draft pick, it just so happened. Yeah, you lost the Dolphins. Yeah, that's about that. The only loser, the Eagles lost a game, and then the Dolphins winning, they lost their pick a little bit, uh, not as low or not as high in the draft, a little bit lower. All right, so let's turn to something good. The, the Miami Heat, Clay, they they are seven and two as they head out west. Kyle Lowry continues to make a huge difference, and is it as simple as it? When Kyle Lowry plays and is healthy, this is an elite team, and as when he doesn't, they're not. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think the word elite, I think is the key there. I, I think they could still be a good team if he's not on the floor. And, and, you know, I think we saw what could have been a good team last year had they had a full off season and, you know, maybe you make some of the additions that they made this, this past off season. You know, if you put PJ Tucker and Markeith Morris and, and a full season of Dwayne Dedman on last year's team, then maybe you've got some of that toughness and maybe you're a bit better and maybe you're a good team at the end of the year as opposed to an average team that got blown out by the Bucks. But the difference between last year's team and a few additions making you good and last year's team plus those additions becoming elite is adding Kyle Lowry to that mix. Yeah. And and it's 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 staggering to me, Will, whenever you hear and, and by the way, Kyle Lowry isn't gonna say much after games. He's really not gonna say much of anything in interviews. Um, he's not uh, he, he's not gonna go out there and give you the sound bite, that's for sure. But his teammates are for him yeah. and 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 talking about him and his game speaks loudly. And you know, they don't even have to say it because you could just watch how much different it looks with him on the floor. And it's it's not just as simple as being a quarterback. It's not just as simple as, oh, well, he's a good defender. It's it's all of this plus the mentality, plus pushing the ball, plus yelling at a referee, plus getting at a, a double technical foul. Like, it, it's just there's no off switch. And I think it was Tyler Hero who said this, that, like, Every single play, Kyle Lowry wants you to do everything perfectly. Like, you you can't take a single trip down the floor. I just want to say off. You can't be a hair off on any trip down the floor, or else Lowry's going to let you know about it. And, you know, I, I just think that when you, when you ask the question, is he the difference between this team being elite and not, for all of those reasons, the answer is yes. Yeah, and you see it. Look, he had the triple-double in the win against the Jazz, which is a wild game. And we saw the two games he hasn't been able to finish, they've lost. You know, the game he didn't play, and then the game, he, you know, he got injured. Even though that Boston game, that was kind of – it was nice to see that he played the way they had been playing again against Utah because it kind of made that Boston game seem fluky. I mean, right. they, they just right. missed a lot of open shots. And, and you're going to have those games. games yeah. 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 People, people, I think, made a big deal of it. There is a bigger question, though, I think, for uh, the Heat right now, and, I, and I'm curious what you think about it. And that's what's wrong with Duncan Robinson. And are you concerned? You know, as the Heat head out west, I would love to see Duncan, you know, turn it around and start being more himself. But he hasn't played well. He's missing a lot of shots. He's shooting out of rhythm. Eric Spolster doesn't seem concerned, but are you? Yes. And I wasn't until I actually went to shoot around on it was Thursday, whenever they played the Boston, whenever they played that Boston game. I think it was Thursday. My days are all running together now. But and someone asked him directly about the new basketball. And and it, well, maybe you know more 
than this than I more about this than I do. But just some of the changes that they've made to the basketball. I don't know if it's grip or um, how it's inflated or whatever. But somebody asked him about that, and Duncan like immediately cut him off, and he said, "No, no, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna answer that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on uh, you know any any of these shows and be quoted out of context. All I'm gonna say is it's not better or worse. It's just different, and I have to get used to it." I mean, shooters, shooters more than any players in the NBA are creatures of habit and and yeah. consistency and doing the same thing over and over again. And so whether it's a mental thing, whether it's not getting a feel for the ball, whatever it is, there's something that's clearly off. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't go out there and have one seven for eight night and then all of a sudden everything changes. Everything changes, yeah. But I that, think we're all waiting for that game. Yeah. And so I wasn't concerned at all. I, I was, it was just one of those where it's like, all right, he's in a slump and eventually he's going to hit. But I guess I didn't factor in whatever the changes were and whatever it was, it was enough that Duncan kind of anticipated the question was coming. And it's something that he's clearly thought about enough that, that you know, whether it is making a tangible impact or it's just something in his head, whatever it is, there's clearly something there. And until he gets over that, you're going to be asking the question. You know, I watched specifically before the Utah game, um, I was sitting up by the court and I said, I'm, I saw him out there. And I said, you know, I'm going to spend five minutes just watching Duncan shoot just out of curiosity. Maybe I saw something different. Not that I'm some I'm a shooting guru or basketball person, but I said, let me just watch him. And Clay, he made like 19 of 23s. He, and you know, remember in pregame, they shoot, guy comes over, puts his hand in their face. You shoot, and right. you, you got to make, you got to make a certain amount at each spot, four yes. or five at each spot before you're allowed to go to the other spot. And that's the way that he, he, he made that round the world in like, 90 seconds i mean it was like a, his own personal three-point shooting contest so he didn't forget how to shoot he's still an elite shooter for some reason in the game it's not working yet for him and i do think i think it's a little mental i think there's something mental there that's true duncan is a very cerebral guy right. he's a very intelligent guy he's a very thoughtful guy when you talk to him he, he, you watch his podcast or listen to his podcast he's he he's really thinks things through and I wonder if when he's struggling and these things are going on, if maybe he's thinking it through a little too much and, and it's getting in his head. Mechanically, I've heard John Crotty a couple of times during the broadcast mention that he's fading a bit, that he's, you know, he's drifting a bit. And Duncan can make shots like that, but let's face it, he's best when he's set, gets, shoots. Doesn't matter if there's a guy in his face or not. Mm -hmm. And right now they're not dropping. Now, the good thing is the Heat go west seven and two. Uh, the bad news is you're going to get the people – Hey, he got his 18 million. Did he get lazy? Is he worried too much about his podcast? Is he not thinking about basketball enough? If he's, is, is now that he doesn't have to work as hard. Let me tell you right now, Duncan Robinson still works hard. Duncan Robinson still wants to be the best shooter in the NBA. The money's not getting to him. His podcast isn't getting to him. The shots just aren't falling. But the question is, am I concerned? Not yet. Not yet. No. Yeah, and the level of concern is is for me. I, I guess maybe concern. It was more, huh? I didn't realize that when he made the comment about the basketball, or when he was asked about the basketball, and he answered the way he did. Um, and and to to John Crotty's point, eventually teams are going to figure out ways to make you uncomfortable, and then it's your job to adjust to them. And what I do like is that the Heat are clearly telling Duncan to shoot his way out of this, mm -hmm. and you know whether it's that he becomes more comfortable hitting some of those drifting shots because he's not going to get the clean looks, or it's working harder to find those clean looks where he can go straight up. They're clearly telling him, look, you got to work through this as opposed to just putting him on the bench. 
And at this point, Will, you kind of have to because the guy who would take his spot, everybody talks about, so many people have said, oh, well, Tyler Hero's playing so well. Why don't you put him in the starting lineup? I don't think you want to do that. I I think you love keeping Hero where he is right now. It's kind of like when you have one offensive lineman get hurt and then you move uh, uh, a tackle in to play guard and then somebody else has to come in and play tackle and then all of a sudden you got two guys playing out of position instead of one. With Tyler Hero, you want to keep him in that spot. And with Duncan – you're hoping that he shoots his way out of this because right now you don't have a Max Struess to come in and take the minutes from him like he did in the fourth quarter of the game against Charlotte. You're missing that player who would come in and instantly replicate what he's doing when he's off. So it's almost a good thing for Duncan that they're going to have to give him this 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 slack to kind of figure this thing out. Um, I, th- I think he will, but I, I also feel like as you said, it's something mental. And until things, until you start to see the ball go in consistently, that mental thing isn't going to go away. Yeah. You mentioned Tyler Hero, Tyler time. We got a double Tyler time because we're going to talk about Tyler Van Dyke in a minute. But let's talk yeah. about Tyler Hero. Uh, Clay, he had what? I think he had 14 of his 29 in the fourth quarter against the Jazz. And he had been coming off his rough game, his roughest game of the season against Boston. It's gotten to the point where Kyle Lowry was asked after the game, hey, are you surprised with what he does? He said, no, I'm not anymore. I don't think we should be surprised anymore. I think this is Tyler Hero. Do you agree that Tyler is now officially taking that next step? That Those first four or five games where he was, you know, scoring 157 points and an NBA record to start a season off the bench in the first seven games, that that wasn't fluky. This is the Tyler we're going to see. Yes, and, and it, and it yeah. all goes back to what we said at the outset about his role. And, you know, I, I don't think you want to move him into the starting lineup for that reason. Like, where he is right now, you bring him in the game and you're asking him to be instant offense. You're not asking him to, oh, let's make sure that because you're in the starting lineup, let's make sure that Jimmy Butler gets the ball uh, a bit to start the game. Let's make sure that Bam Adebayo uh, mm-hmm. is is able to kind of get, get loose a little bit. No, when you're bringing Tyler in the game, you're asking him to go out there and do what he does best in that score. And then by the time the third and fourth quarter roll around, everybody's got lathered up. And like you're figuring out as the game goes on, and Spo talks about this all the time, riding the hot hand, which he likes to do in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Tyler's already hot. And, and so you can kind of look at this thing and say, all right, Tyler's got it rolling. Jimmy's able to get to the free throw line. Duncan's not hitting, but that's okay because we've got this, 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 and this. Well, a lot of that is because you can rely on Tyler to come in and be that instant offense. And yeah. and then in the fourth quarter, like you've got that. So, yes, I think this is him. And I think it has so much to do with the fact that you've got a real point guard now. So you're not asking Tyler Hero to handle the ball and, and distribute as, as much. Um, and also that you're, you're not asking him to kind of figure out, like he's not thinking. The same thing that you're saying about Duncan Robinson right now, where maybe he's overthinking things a little bit. Yeah, Tyler's, Tyler's not definitely thinking. not thinking. Tyler no. just takes it. He, nah, just he just takes, takes shoots. And he's he's just got this instinct now. And I don't know if it's the added weight. I whatever it is, his body control looks better. Like he just he has yeah, a better he's, sense. He's floating, I think. That floater that floating Ooh, through the air. The balance that's he has hard. Shots, and and, yeah. and well, look, you, you and I, nobody's gonna mistake us for for even uh, intermediate school, middle school level players. But if you've ever gone out there and tried to shoot uh, an eighteen footer while you're moving and like dead on at the basket, I'm not talking about a fade like that's that's hard to do, yeah. and he makes, he makes it, look it look so easy. easy right now. He was going at Gobert and then Hassan yeah. on Saturday night, and you know that little floater driving off glass. I mean, he's passing well. Uh, he's playing with a confidence right now that the Heat need it. And I think what's important about him playing, while he's not the ball handler, the facilitator, there are times where Kyle 
isn't in the game, right, that you would worry that the offense will bog down, at least for now, as they head west nine games into the season, we haven't really seen that. Now, the games that Kyle hasn't played at all, that's different because right, they don't right. get going early It's not on sustainable and, throughout yeah. an entire game. Exactly. No. Exactly. No. But for stretches, they have enough guys, and when Jimmy's in and Bam, we know, can facilitate Tyler a bit, uh, you can see that I don't think there's going to be huge lulls for the minutes that Kyle Lowry doesn't play. I think this team has found the way to play in those minutes where before that was your concern because a lot of people ask me like, hey, do you think the Heat should get a backup point guard? Should they go after a buyout John Wall? Or should they go out for another veteran out there or at the deadline? As we speak right now, nine games into the season, I don't think the Heat need a backup point guard. I think they're okay with what they have. Now, devil's advocate might say, well, what if Kyle goes out for an extended period of time? Well, now you're in trouble. Now you're in trouble, and I don't care who you sign. You're not signing Kyle Lowry. So so if he got hurt for an extended period of time, this team is in trouble. Yeah, and, and I, th- I I guess what, where I'm coming from when I say, because I, I love the idea of a John Wall, and I think isn't Jeff Teague still out there? I mean, you've got a number of players who I think – You've got a few vets that could help. Right, and and if you get to the point where you – let's say they keep this level of play up, right? Maybe not a 78% winning percentage as we sit here on Sunday night recording this, but like to where this is legitimately a top two team in the East, and we've heard over and over again that – Mickey Harrison has no problem going into the tax for a potential championship team. And what they've shown so far, it's it's a potential championship team with what we've seen so far. To me, Will, it's worth it to go out and get a John Wall to where you don't feel compelled to play Kyle Lowry on the second night of a back-to-back in Memphis like they did last weekend. I was surprised that he ended up playing in that game. It was Kyle I was surprised play. he played against Utah. I yeah, didn't think he would yeah. play that game. And I, the funny thing is, after the game, I asked him, and he kind of he kind of gave me a little attitude when I said, "Hey, we were how'd you feel? Did you play?" And he looked at me because I played, didn't I? Yeah, I was, I was fine. Which is to what Eric Spolster had said the day before that he's a lot like Jimmy. That he's not going to tell you. He's going to tell you he's fine. He well, had to be hurting he, a little bit, but he, and he I, didn't I was show actually it. I was actually listening to the pregame show too, and and Jax was interviewing Spo, and Spo said something interesting that I had never thought about, but he said. When you have guys like Kyle and also Jimmy who sprain their ankles a lot, they actually recover quicker. And obviously we're talking about the lower ankle sprain, not the high ankle sprain, which I, I found that interesting. I'd never heard that before. Uh, to me, Will, though, I, my concern is, is more that, yeah, I mean, he can come back and he can play, just play great against Utah. And he was effective. I mean, I, I think he had his best shooting night of the year in, in Memphis on that second night of a back-to-back. But over the course of the season, do you really want to keep keep putting him out there in those situations. So that's where you feel you need a backup. You need yes. a backup then. Yes. I feel like on these games that you look at before the year and other people will call them schedule losses. The the Heat clearly don't view them that way. But yeah, that to, to me, it's like I, I just I feel like you want to make sure that Kyle Lowry, because he he's such a difference maker, you want to make sure that you're giving him enough rest during the season. I'm not talking about having him do a lot of load management days, but you don't feel compelled to have him play 32 minutes every night if if you can give him a bit more of a breather. You don't feel compelled to play him on the second night of a back-to-back. And Because I think that, that over the course of the year, eventually you're concerned that's going to add up. So why not give him a, a, a few days off here and there? Why not give him a few minutes off here and there if you have a suitable replacement where you're not going to see that enormous drop-off? Um, so that's, that's where I'm coming. I want him healthy in April, May, and June. I mean, I, I want, want him healthy. All the, I mean, yeah. all the vets in particular. Look, Kyle, you mentioned Jimmy, PJ, 
these are players that are built for that playoff grind, but the playoff grind is so far away that the biggest concern for me from now to then is just keeping them healthy. Yes. And you want to play well. It's not like you can, you can't, you can't, well, you can't load manage nine, 10 games of the season. But to your point earlier, I do think there are times after a back to back where you could scale back. But again, you heard Eric Spolster say it. These guys don't, this is not the way they think. Kyle and Jimmy aren't built that way. Bam, as we know, hates missing games, mm-hmm. you know? So those guys have to be like their leg is falling off for them to miss a game. And, and, but it, that's my biggest concern. I'm curious to see, look, this West coast trip is going to be tough. Denver Monday. If you're listening after that, they have the, the LA swing. They still, have, they got to play Utah out there. Uh, that's a, that's a tough, tough swing that they've got to come up. We're going to learn a lot about this team. I think. Yeah. And to the point where, well, they could play well and come out of that thing two and three and you could still feel just fine moving forward. Well, Look at what they've done in this stretch. Remember, Pat Riley said that the beginning of the season had a really brutal stretch. And the stretch started with Brooklyn. And what have they done since then? I think they've won five of the six, right? I think that's right. Four of the five or five of the six that they've won. I think there were a lot of people thinking if they just won five out of the ten that they would be okay. And they've already won five of six with four or five more tough games left. So they're in a good spot. Another team that seems to be in a good spot is the Miami Hurricanes. Let's go to Tyler time, this time with Tyler Van Dyke. Now, the question is, is he the real deal? But I think we know the answer. I mean, I, Clay, I think he's the real deal. I don't know how you can argue against him other than time, that he hasn't done it for a sustained period of time other than a few games. But as far as his arm, his arm strength, his ability is, is you know, what's that that catch for that cliche? Oh, the moxie, right? Yep, the moxie yeah, that he has yeah, in the yeah, pocket, yeah. you know? He looks like a quarterback when he's da- back there surveying the field and flinging passes left and right. The Canes have won three straight games. He's thrown for over 1,100 yards in those games, 10 touchdowns, one interception, 72% completion percentage, all conference wins. Tyler Van Dyke's the real deal. He's been one of the three best quarterbacks in the ACC, and you could make the case that he outdueled the guy that a lot of people consider to be the best in Kenny Pickett. And 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 uh, Brennan Armstrong at UVA has been really good as well. Sam Howell, has has and had some ups and downs. Up and down, yeah. But but since Van Dyke has been out there on the field, well, I mean, he's been in, solidly in that top three. And what have we always said about the Canes that you know if you can figure out the offensive line issues and you get a quarterback out there, it doesn't matter you know, if you get a a two star recruit from mm-hmm. from South Florida from somewhere around here. Like you can make the skill positions work if you've got that quarterback and the guy that's going to go out there and 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 is I mean have the arm strength that, that Van Dyke does like. It's it's not just that he's a good college quarterback. Like he makes throws that you're like, oh, that's an NFL throw. Uh, and and I'm I'm not sitting here saying I joked I joked on Twitter and nobody nobody seemed to to oh, think I was well, joking. Well, which by the way, maybe maybe actually speak to may actually be speaking to how well Van Dyke is playing or uh, how how not well Tua is played. But I I made the joke that Tyler Van Dyke may be the best quarterback in South Florida. Uh oh oh. But I I do think that's that Kyle Lowry by the way. Yeah, 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 exactly. Somebody responded, Kyle Lowry would have to like to have a word. But I, I do think that he's shown some NFL traits. And and I do think that when you combine that with the grasp of a, a college level offense and the playmakers that he has, you you get something. And and I don't think you can discount, Will, that, you know, he had the, the tough finish uh, against North Carolina, the turnover at the end of the game. Even then, and, that was what on a deflection. Yes, that was a tough one. But he's bounced. I mean, I, I, a lot of young quarterbacks like that would break them, and and Van Dyke's gone the other way, and and he's beaten two really good teams, uh, 
relative to the ACC and, and a, a, I mean, below average ACC team in Georgia Tech. And, and he's made big plays in he's those games to win in those games. Yeah, he and that when you watch that Georgia Tech game on Saturday, he did nothing. I mean, that I look back on that said, "Hey, he could have cost them the game." He threw big play after big play that they just couldn't hang on to the damn football. They just right. kept fumbling and bumbling all over the place. They kept Georgia Tech in the game. I will say this, and this is the question that I'm asked a lot. And look, I, social media isn't always a gauge for the truth. You know, there's a lot of exaggeration. But Manny Diaz saving his job. You know, I think that's the question that a lot of people are asking. And Clay, I've stayed consistent with my message on Manny Diaz, and it's not changing now. I wasn't going to really, really grade Manny Diaz until after the season. And a lot of people laugh at me saying, well, we know he sucks already. So fire him. Why do you need to keep him? And my thing is because let's see how these players respond. And to Manny's credit, he's gone young. Van Dyke by necessity because of the injury to, to Deer King. But at other positions as well, he said, you know what? I don't care if you're an upperclassman. I don't care if you've been here four years. I'm playing the guys that I think give us the best chances to win. Most of those guys are very young, and it's made a huge difference. And whether it was by desperation of trying to keep his job or because he really feels that that was the best path for the Canes, it's working. You win by one or you win by 10 or you win by 30 or you win by three, it doesn't matter. The Canes have won three straight ACC games, and I think until these final three games are over, your rival coming up, Florida State, the big clay Mansell rivalry game against Virginia Tech. Justin Fuente? Is that- I, I mean, look, I've gotten the no, – I'm not even going to say it. I'm not, all, all I can say is th- – this is the best way I can describe it, Will. Anybody who knows me well knows how passionate I am about Virginia Tech football and Saints football. I literally did not even know that Virginia Tech was playing on Friday night until I was driving home at 6.40 and somebody mentioned something about it on a podcast. That was, that's how checked out I've become on, on Virginia Tech football. So, but nobody wants to hear my, my sob no, story. No, okay. we, we love to hear that. We love to hear that. Uh, misery loves company, right? But, but Will, to your point, I mean, you're talking about three games down the stretch. I mean, Canes are going to be, Canes are going to be favored. I, I, I don't know what the line on the Florida State game, I'd imagine. It's a field goal, are, I thought, was a field goal. For the Canes. Yeah, for, for the Canes. And, and yeah. uh, they'll be favored against Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech is now officially a dumpster fire. And, and who, what do it's you Duke, right? <laughs> did you just type that or did you have that? <laughs> no you comment. love your new toy. You love your new toy. I, I, I love him. I will love him the second he stands up there at a news conference and says, this is a great job for 99.9% of, of college football oh, coaches out there. I'm just not one of them. And I'm going to give back my buyout money so Virginia Tech can do right and, and bring in a good coach. But no, I – to the, to the point about Manny Diaz, Will, can you really tell me if at the end of this season, if they win out, okay. and, and when you're talking about three, like that's no longer an, an unreasonable ask. I, I think it's too late to make it to Charlotte. But if they win out, they go to a bowl game, they win the bowl game, and let's say they, they play a halfway decent team in that, let's say they beat another top 20, mm-hmm. top 25 team in that bowl game. All of these things are plausible scenarios. How does he not keep his job? I mean, I mean, to me, the only the only way that he would lose his job in that scenario would be if Blake James were, were let go in an I athletic. Think, I don't think I don't in. see that happening. I don't. All either. the language don't coming either. out of UM between the statements by Blake James, uh, you know, the availability he had, and then the you know the ACC network or the writers, he never really threw Manny under the bus. We know that Dr. Julio Frank is not the kind of person who's going to come out there throwing punches and, and worried about the athletics that much. He's going to kind of leave it to his athletic athletics people. So unless the Canes 
tank. That was my whole take. If the Kings went out and won five games this year only, then yeah, you're having that conversation. But they're already at five wins with three left. They realistically, I don't think it's crazy to think they should be eight and four at the end of the season, you know, with seeing where things fall in the coastal, either playing to for the right to win an ACC title or going to a mediocre bowl with a chance at a nine and four season. And two of those four losses, two of those four losses to Alabama and Michigan State. Yeah. So I don't know how that's fireable. Now, the person that's listening now that's a Kings fan is probably yelling at the top of their lungs, but Manny sucks. Do you not watch the penalties and the undisciplined stuff? And I get it, but this isn't the NFL. I think the Kings truly want a program that's, you know, respected as far as as they, they do things the right way with their players. They have good character players. I think that as long as there's young guys developing, we've already talked about Van Dyke, you know, Keontae Smith, all these guys that have been playing, uh, Jalen Knighton, these are players recruited by the Manny Diaz regime that are playing well. So if you're at the end of the season and you're Blake James, you don't assess it to like, hey, we're not 12 wins and playing for national title. But if you're eight wins playing for an ACC or having a chance to, and your young players are developing, I don't know how you fire them. I don't know how you justify it tearing up his contract, eating that money, and going out and spending money on what? A six or seven million dollar coach? Is that what you think Miami's gonna do? I, I the only way I saw that happening is if this season tanked. And it, I think Tyler Van Dyke and these young guys have saved Manny's job. I do. And saved this season. And, and so let's go the other way. If they lose three games to terrible teams down the stretch, or even they say We're one done. you know, one and two, then no. Then no. It's so to your point that you've been making for weeks and that you made at the outset of, of the Manny Diaz discussion, we got to wait. So when you ask the question, is Manny Diaz saving his job? Like, is he in the process of saving his job? The yeah. answer is yes, because if they yeah. keep doing what they're doing right now, then yes. And also, well, and this is the last thing I'll add on this. If you get to the end of this year and you went eight and four and you made it to a decent bowl game and, and, and you had a good performance, whether you beat a top 20 team, or you at least you at least look competent in a loss against a good team. If that's what happens, you're looking at a Canes team that will be returning probably the best young quarterback in the ACC, plus some young skill players who, when you Very put them players. out there, they were the difference between games you were losing early in the season and games that you started winning. So it's going to be really hard to justify a team that is bringing all of that back. It's it's going to be hard to justify uprooting the guy who was in charge of making those changes. So again, I'm with you. I'm sure there are a lot of fans that that have been on the fire Manny train probably for for two years now. Um, But the bottom line is if, if at the end of the year, you're looking at this program being on an upward trajectory and he's at the, at the heart of that. I I'm with you. I don't don't see how that's fireable. Okay. Well, that's a, It's a busy week. A lot of stuff that we normally, and we, by the way, we didn't even get to the Panthers who were 10-0-1. It's been, you know, it's been going on the bottom line there, but I mean, the Panthers are 10-0-1. They're the best team in in the NHL right now. Tied the best Uh, start in NHL history. I mean, it's, it's, and, and, you know, we talked about all the stuff that's going on with Deshaun. I mean, what they've played through, and this is not diminishing what the the victims went through at all with the Blackhawks organization. Oh yeah. This is about just hockey. Yeah. And in the here and now for, this group to 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 rally around Brew and go out there and, and do what they've done, man. I mean, I, to me, I I don't know that that this team, these players, are getting enough credit for overcoming 
uh, the loss of their head coach and, and, and going out there and playing the way they have. I mean, I, I'm, I think that's one of the best stories in all of sports right now. I agree. And I, I think, unfortunately, even in South Florida, it's being overshadowed a little bit. It is. Look, and I, I say this to Panthers fans, and I hate to leave the Panthers as an afterthought, but there will be time. You know, right now the Panthers are catching the excitement of the fans, the hockey fan. I don't, they haven't captivated South Florida yet. Because we're not anywhere close to the playoffs. But if the Panthers are the best team in the NHL or one of the best teams in the NHL, come March and April, trust me, this town will be behind. They'll get the attention they deserve. And I think it'll be a fun run and a fun ride along with the Heat. So uh, that's your Miami Sports Pod. We appreciate you listening, now watching, uh, following. And uh, Clay, I'll leave you with this. You love your new toy. I, I'll be. I'm just making up. I tell you what. Hey, we'll take Manny Diaz. We'll take Manny in Blacksburg. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Justin Fuente seems like a really uh, nice guy. A, a, a Fuente Manny trade off is something that I don't even think Kane's fans would want at this point. No, no, I, you I don't. don't no, no. All right, no, no. That's very, very, very good group of five head coach. Oh my goodness! All right. Thanks for watching and listening.